You're listening to The Story Connective. In this episode, we will be telling you a lesser-known fairy tale written by Hans Christian Andersen from the 19th century about a melodious songbird during the Industrial Revolution. Learned men wrote books about these travels containing descriptions of the city and the palace, and they did not forget the nightingale, which was really the greatest wonder. These books traveled all over the world, and in course of time, one of them even came into the hands of the emperor. Welcome to The Story Connective. I'm Rebecca Rhapsody. And I'm Loxley Clovis. The Story Connective shares inspiring stories of possibility, resilience, and cooperation. Today, we're going to tell you a European fairy tale called The Nightingale, written by Hans Christian Andersen. You've probably heard some versions of Hans Christian Andersen's stories before. He is best known for his works The Ugly Duckling and The Little Mermaid. But he wrote many lesser-known stories as well, and The Nightingale is one of them. Now, this is the first time on the podcast that we're delving into myth and folktales and fantasy, and I'm pretty excited about it, because I'm fascinated by mythology and story symbolism and how it connects and inspires us in deep ways. This story touches on themes and symbolism, including life, death, nature, art, society, human progress, and, of course, resilience. The Nightingale was originally published in 1843, as the machines of the Industrial Revolution were appearing in greater numbers around the world with greater ingenuity and efficiency, and as engineers and philosophers were singing the praises of their advancement. In this story, Anderson masterfully juxtaposes the emergence of the machines of his time with this story about a modest, melodious songbird. Andersen was originally from Denmark, so the original story was published in Danish. That said, though I, the storyteller, have lightly adapted the story in some places, much of the language I'll be using is from the original English translations of Andersen's writing. We'll have a link to the original translation in the show notes. I really enjoy the feel of this story, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Here is The Nightingale by Hans Christian Andersen. Many moons ago, there was an emperor who enjoyed having the most exquisite things. He had everything he wished for. His palace was the most beautiful thing in the world. It was built entirely of the finest porcelain, which was very costly and so fragile that it could only be touched with the greatest of care. Every detail in the palace had been carefully thought out. Each hallway was filled with sculptures made of precious stones and the smell of exotic perfumes from around the world would waif through the air, just enough to make a person sigh with pleasure. Only the freshest of foods were brought in daily from the mountains and seas, and served to the emperor and his guests, and in the gardens outside grew delicate flowers, each tied to a pretty silver bell which tinkled, so that everyone who passed could not help but notice these flowers' beauty. Indeed, everything in the emperor's garden and palace was remarkable, and the garden extended so far that no one quite knew where it ended. On the far outskirts of the palace's garden was a wood with lofty trees overlooking the deep blue sea. These woods were open to anyone, and it was a lovely place to spend the afternoon, and among these trees lived a nightingale. This bird could sing. She sang so remarkably that everyone who heard her sing, young or old, rich or poor, would stop. And all the chatter in their heads, the could-dos, should-dos, would-dos, 
would cease and be replaced with the clarity and presence of the nightingale's song. The emperor's capital was a busy place. Travelers often came to visit from every country in the world, and they admired everything very much, especially the porcelain palace and the gardens. But when they heard the nightingale, they all declared her to be the best of all these wonders. When these travelers, after long voyages at sea, reached home once more, they described what they had seen, and they told everyone about the nightingale. Learned men wrote books about these travels, containing descriptions of the city and the palace, and they did not forget the nightingale, which was really the greatest wonder. And those who could write poetry wrote poetry about this bird, beautiful verses of a bird who lived in the forest near the deep blue sea. These books traveled all over the world, and in course of time, one of them even came into the hands of the emperor. He was a tall, thin man with a serious face and clever eyes, and he sat in his golden chair and read this book. As he read, he nodded his approval very often, for it pleased him to find such a beautiful description of his city and his palace and his gardens. Oh, they like my capital city. Very good, very good, said the emperor. And they admired the palace and the exquisite smells. Excellent, excellent. But the nightingale, it says, is the best of all these wonders. What is this? A nightingale? I know nothing about it. Is there such a bird in my kingdom just outside my own garden and I have never heard of it? And he snapped his fingers and called one of his lords in waiting, a man who had perfectly cut hair, perfectly tanned skin, and wore very detailed shoes. This man was in fact so high-bred that when anyone of inferior rank asked him a question, he would answer, Puh, which meant nothing. Look here, cried the emperor. There is a bird mentioned in this book called a nightingale. They say it is the best thing in my kingdom. Why have I not been told of it? A nightingale? I've never heard the name, replied the lord. She has not been presented at court. It pleases me to have her appear here this evening to sing to me. It shall be a grand festivity. The whole world knows what I am possessed of, and I know nothing about it. Find this bird, commanded the emperor. But where was the nightingale to be found? The noblemen went up the stairs and down and through the halls and passages, yet none of those he met had ever heard of the bird. So he returned to the emperor and said, It must be a fable, invented by those who had written the book. Your imperial majesty cannot believe everything contained in books, said the lord. This book comes with high certification and distinction, and therefore it cannot contain a falsehood, replied the emperor. I will hear this nightingale. She must be here this evening. She has my highest favor, and if she does not come, the whole court shall be trampled upon after supper is ended. Sing pay, cried the lord in waiting, and again he ran up and down the stairs and through all the halls and corridors, and half the court ran with him, for they did not like the idea of being trampled upon. It became a great topic of gossip, this nightingale, which was known to all the outside world, but to no one at court until at last a poor little kitchen girl said, Oh, the nightingale? Why, yes, I know it very well. Every evening I have permission to take scraps from the table to my poor sick mother who lives near the woods, and on my way back, when I'm tired, I rest a while in the wood, and then I hear the nightingale. She's lovely. Her songs bring tears to my eyes. They make me feel as if my mother were holding me. Little maiden, said the lord-in-waiting, I will obtain for you constant employment in the kitchen, and you shall have a permission to see the emperor dine, even, if you will lead us to this nightingale, for she is invited to this palace this very evening, and she must be here. 
So off went the kitchen girl into the woods where the nightingale sang, and half the court followed her, so interested were they by this bird. But they nearly all turned back when their nice shoes got all muddy on the trail, for it had recently rained. Still, the little kitchen maid and a few brave courtly others did find the nightingale, right as the sun was beginning to set, and they convinced her to attend the court festivities, though the poor bird was a bit perplexed. "'My song sounds best among the trees, but if the emperor wishes it, I will go willingly,' said the bird." That night the palace shined. It had been polished and brightened up for the occasion. The walls and floors, which were all of porcelain, shone by the light of many thousand golden lamps, and the most beautiful of the smells wafted through the air. And there was a great hurrying to and fro by everyone to get a good seat. In the very middle of the large reception room where the emperor and everyone sat, a golden rod had been fixed, upon which the nightingale was to perch. The whole court was assembled, all dressed in their finest clothes, and the little kitchen maid had received permission to stand by the door. The gentleman in waiting brought in the nightingale and set it on its golden perch. Everyone's eyes turned towards the little bird, and quite frankly, they were surprised that the nightingale wasn't much to look at. It was a gray, bland little thing with beady eyes. What a fuss had been made of such a boring-looking creature! But when the emperor nodded, and the nightingale began to sing, and sing, and sing, the bird enchanted everyone, and it sang more beautifully than ever. The notes and the music of the bird swirled around the courtyard, and the notes filled the emperor's ears, which filled the emperor's heart, which filled his eyes and tears rolled down his cheeks. The nightingale's song was transcendent. And when she had finished, the emperor was charmed. Indeed, the nightingale had made a sensation. You are to stay at court now, commanded the emperor, and he snapped his fingers, and the servants brought out a golden cage where the nightingale was to stay from now on. And she was to give royal concerts at noon and dusk and be paraded around the city daily, with liberty to go out twice a day and once during the night. Twelve servants were appointed to attend her on these occasions, who each held her by a silken string fastened to her leg. And there was certainly not much pleasure in this kind of flying. But the nightingale was very popular. The whole city spoke about the marvelous bird. If two people met, one said to the other, night, and the other answered, gale, and then they would sigh, perfectly understanding each other. Eleven shoemaker's children were named after her, but not one of them could sing a note. And while time passed, if the nightingale's songs became less joyous and more somber, well, the emperor and his court didn't notice. One day, a large parcel came for the emperor. Outside was the written word, nightingale and inside the box was a work of art, an artificial nightingale, exactly like the living one, except that its feathers were of gold and it was studded all over with diamonds and rubies and sapphires. And when the artificial bird was wound up, it could sing one of the songs that the real one sang, and it wagged its tail as it did, which glittered and sparkled with gold. The person who brought the artificial bird immediately received the title of Imperial Nightingale Bringer-in-Chief. 
Now they must sing together, cried the emperor. What a duet that will be! And he clapped his hands in anticipation. That night a great feast was held in the honor of the occasion, and the two birds were perched in the middle of the court. All eyes were upon them, and they began to sing. But they did not get on very well, for the real nightingale sang in its own way, and the artificial one could only sing a waltz, one complicated tune that it sang over and over and over. But there's no fault in that, said the music maker. It's perfectly in time and correct in every way. So then the artificial bird had to sing alone. It was just as great a success as the real one, and it was much prettier to look at because it glittered like fine jewels. The court gathered around to ooh and ah at the new bird. It sang the same tune thirty-three times without being tired, and the people would have gladly heard it again. But then the emperor said that the living nightingale ought to sing something now. But where was she? No one had noticed when the nightingale had flown out the open window and back to her own green woods by the sea. What strange conduct, said the emperor, when her flight had been discovered, and all the courtiers blamed her and said she was a very ungrateful creature. But we have the best bird of all, and they had the artificial bird sing again, and although it was the thirty-fourth time they had listened to the same piece, even then they had not learned it, for it was rather difficult. And the music master praised the bird in the highest degree, and even asserted that it was better than the real nightingale, not only in its dress and the beautiful diamonds, but also in its musical power. For with the real nightingale, you never knew what you would hear, but in the artificial one, everything was decided. You could account for things. You could open it up and marvel at the wheels and cogs and the human ingenuity of it. The music master received permission to exhibit the bird to the people on the following Sunday, and the emperor commanded that all should be present to hear it sing. That Sunday the people did hear it, and they were like people intoxicated. The people loved the artificial bird. They all swooned and ooed and nodded vigorously. All but a poor fisherman, who had heard the real nightingale and said, It sounds pretty enough, and the melodies are all alike, yet there seems something wanting. I cannot tell exactly what. Nevertheless, after this, the real nightingale was banished from the empire, and the artificial bird was placed on a silk cushion close to the emperor's bed, a great many precious jewels scattered around it. And the court played the bird again and again, and the bird's title became Chief Imperial Singer of the Bedchamber. The music master wrote a work in 25 volumes about the artificial bird, which was very learned and very long and full of the most difficult words, yet all the people said they had read it and understood it for fear of being thought stupid and having their bodies trampled upon. Things went on this way for a whole year. By then the emperor and the court knew every little gurgle in the song of the artificial bird by heart, and they liked it better for this, for now they could all join in and sing the song themselves, too. But one evening... While the bird was singing its best, and the emperor was lying in bed listening to it, something gave way inside the bird, and the springs went spring, and the wheels went whirr, and then the music just stopped. The emperor jumped out of bed and sent for his private physicians. But what good could they do? Then he sent for his royal watchmaker, who, after a good deal of talk and examination, the bird was put into something like order, but he said that it must be used very carefully now, as the barrels were worn and it would be impossible to put in new ones without injuring the music. 
Now there was great sorrow, as the bird could only be allowed to play once a year, and even that was dangerous for the works inside it. Then the music master made a little speech full of difficult words and declared that the bird was just as good as ever, and of course no one contradicted him. Five years passed, and then a real grief came upon the land. The people really were fond of their emperor, and now he lay so ill that he was not expected to live. Already a new emperor had been chosen, and the people who stood in the street asked the lord-in-waiting how the old emperor was, but the lord-in-waiting only said, Puh, and shook his head. The old emperor lay in a large four-poster bed, growing weaker, and at last there was a day when the emperor had not stirred once and he was not expected to last through the night. The whole court considered him dead, and everyone ran away to pay respects to the man who would be their new emperor. Cloth had been laid down on the halls and passages around the emperor's room to avoid the sound of footsteps disturbing his rest, and all was silent and still. But the emperor was not yet dead, though he barely moved. He lay white and stiff on his gorgeous bed, with long velvet purple curtains and heavy gold tassels around him. And there was an open window high above him, and the moon streamed in upon his brow. The artificial bird, as always, was beside him, perched on a splendid cushion. The poor emperor could hardly breathe. He seemed to have a weight on his chest. He, he opened his eyes and saw that it was death sitting upon his chest, staring down at him with a chalky smile and black bottomless eyes. All around the bed, peeping through the long velvet curtains, were a number of strange heads, some very ugly and others lovely and gentle to look at. These were the faces of the emperor's good and bad deeds. And they stared him in the face now, as death sat at his heart, wearing the emperor's golden crown. Do you remember this? Do you recollect that? whispered the faces. And one after another they told him, and reminded him of so many things that perspiration began to pour down the emperor's face. Music! cried the emperor. Play, golden bird! Sing so that I may not hear what they are saying! Sing, I tell you! I've given you presents, honored you with titles. Sing, I tell you, sing! But the bird remained silent. There was no one to wind up the artificial bird, and therefore it could not sing a note. The faces continued to speak, though, and death nodded solemnly at everything they said, staring at the emperor with its cold, dark eyes. And then death leaned in and moved closer and closer still. And the room was fearfully still. And suddenly, close to the window, there was a burst of sound. It was a song, a lovely song. The real, living nightingale was perched on a branch outside, and she was singing. She had heard of the emperor's illness and had come to sing to him one last time, to bring him some comfort and hope. And as she sang, the faces of the good and bad deeds became fainter and fainter. As she sang, the emperor's blood coursed through his veins with fresh vigor, and his cheeks took on some color. As she sang, even death himself sat up listening and said, Go on, little nightingale, go on. 
And the nightingale went on singing. She sang of the freedom of the sky in flight. She sang of the calm winds and the still blue waters. And she sang of the quiet churchyard where the white roses grew and where the sweet grass is moistened by the mourner's tears. And then Death longed to go and see his own garden and floated out through the window in the form of a cold white mist. You heavenly bird, said the emperor. I know you. I banished you from my kingdom, yet you have charmed the evil visions away from my heart. How can I reward you? You have rewarded me, said the nightingale. I brought tears to your eyes the very first time I ever sang to you, and I shall never forget it. Those are the jewels which gladden the heart of a singer. But sleep now, and wake up fresh and strong, and I will sing to you. And the nightingale sang again, and the emperor fell into a sweet, refreshing sleep. The sun shone in at his window, and he awoke refreshed and better than he had felt in days. None of his attendants had yet returned, for they thought he was dead. But the nightingale still sat there singing. Sweet nightingale, said the emperor, you must always stay with me now. No, emperor, said the nightingale, I can't do that. I can't build my nest and live in this palace. My song, my gift, it comes from the way I feel in flight, from the stories I see in the people below my trees. My song comes from my freedom, my joy. But please, dear friend, come and visit me in my woods, and I will sing to you each day so that you may be happy. I will sing to you and cheer you and make you well, and I shall sing to you secrets, too, to make you wise. For a little singing bird flies far and wide, and I see much and have much to share. Will you come? Yes, said the emperor. I only ask one thing, she replied. Let no one know that you have a little bird who tells you everything. It will be best to conceal it. So saying, the nightingale flew away. The servants now came in to look after the dead emperor, when, to their astonishment, they found him standing at the window, with color in his cheeks, wishing them a good morning. <laughs> after that fearful night, the emperor would visit the wood, and the nightingale would sing to him. The emperor became well again, and a great friendship formed between he and the little bird, and he became even more beloved and wise to his people. The emperor would visit the nightingale every day, and his children visited the nightingale's children, and their children did the same. And so it was for generations. The end. That's our story for today. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It would really help us get the word out, and we'd love to hear from you. Also hit subscribe on your podcast app. Here's a fun fact. During the time of this recording, the movie The Greatest Showman is still in theaters, which tells the story of P.T. Barnum and Swedish world-class soprano opera singer Jenny Lind. From this popular movie, I think a lot of people are learning about Jenny Lind for the first time. I saw the movie, and that was definitely the first time I'd heard of Jenny Lind. And then, within a few weeks of seeing the film, I was doing research on the Nightingale story, a story I've loved for years, and I found out that it's widely believed that Hans Christian Andersen had a deep, unrequited love for Jenny Lind, the same opera singer, and that she is the inspiration behind Andersen's Nightingale. Andersen wrote in The True Story of My Life, published in 1847, Through Jenny Lind, I first became sensible of the holiness of art. Through her, I learned that one must forget oneself in the service of the Supreme. 
No books, no men have had a more ennobling influence upon me as a poet than Jenny Lin. I thought it was a fun coincidence, and it goes to show how the creative arts can inspire and teach us about the world. The Story Connective is 100% listener and viewer supported. The stories we see and hear shape what we think is possible, and we want to help more people be part of a positive future. We really appreciate your support. Please become a patron, meaning you'll give us a small donation each time we create a piece of content at patreon.com slash storyconnected. Or you can make a one-time donation. Learn more at our website, www.storyconnected.org. Thank you for your support. The Nightingale was written by Hans Christian Andersen and first published in 1843. Fairy tale retold by Rebecca Rhapsody at storyconnected.org. Audio recording by Loxley Clovis at storyconnected.org. Audio production by Loxley Clovis. The intro song is Which That Is This by Dr. Turtle, released under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The outro song is by Rebecca Rhapsody. Special thanks to our nonprofit fiscal sponsor, Elsa, at ellssa.org. The purpose of this audio interview is for nonprofit education, news, and commentary. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License. Thank you for listening to the Story Connective. <laughs>